Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. What is this? What is this? Where? Who am I talking to? Captain, report what you saw. I don't understand. Where were you before you were talking to me? There was an explosion. Coming from where? Some confusion is perfectly normal at this stage, Captain. Do you have a visual signal? Who are you? You already have that information, Captain. I do. Recall my name. We'll rebuild the pattern. Try to focus. I, I was on a mission. I was flying and then I woke up on a train. Now I'm here. I need to be briefed. Um, what, what unit is this? You're with Beleaguer Castle. Who? Stand by for thread one of alpha memory pattern. What, 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 what is Beleaguered Castle? The exercises will assist you. Memory thread one. Listen to the following passage. Lily awoke in an evening dress and an opera cloak. In her hand were five playing cards. This is this a joke? They were the queen of spades, four of clubs, nine of clubs, three of hearts, nine of hearts. Is this a red flag exercise? End of thread one. Thread two. The following is a recording of a western screech owl. End of thread two. End of pattern. Acknowledge. Acknowledge and a pattern. Stand by to initiate pattern recall. Go for pattern recall. Arrange the five playing cards in order of descending value, irrespective of suit. Queen, two nines, four, and a three. That is correct. The passage I read contained mention of a woman's name. What was that name? Her name was Lily. That is correct. Recall my name. Goodwin, your name is Goodwin. That is correct. Welcome back, Captain. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. And this week, we review the film that asks the question, what if Groundhog Day fucked Quantum Leap and was written by the illegitimate love child of Tom Clancy and Max Planck, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Michelle Monaghan, and Vera Farmiga, it's 2011 Source Code. But first, he's the college kid who's just trying to study for a psychology exam, to my unhinged quantum leaper who assaults his friend for a pin, one of the newest members of CBC, and one of three co-hosts who has a show, The Video Game Lounge, launching June 1st, it's John. How are you doing, John? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me today. Hey, not a problem. Thanks for being on. And he's the guy at Nellis in a short sleeve button up and a bad tie who just reads shit from a screen to everyone in the room like a true IT guy. It's Rob. How are you doing, Rob? Did you try turning it off and turning it back on? Tried it twice. Really? That didn't work? No, it didn't work. You're going to have to come up uh, with something kick different. It. Kick it. <laughs> not kick Hit it. it on the side. <laughs> that always seems to jar the gremlins loose. Yeah. All right, John. So this is normally whenever we do the uh, what's happening around CBC segment for Satis. Uh, and since your show is coming up in a couple of weeks, well, as of this recording, it'll be uh, this recording will be out probably the week that your show launches. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your show? All right. So my name is John and I am one of the three hosts of the Video Game Lounge podcast. And our podcast is not here for notes and news, but to talk games and drink brews. You can join me and my two co-hosts. We're the clueless elder millennials here to discuss beer, games, life, and a ridiculous amount of tangents. So our first episode, actually first two episodes are going to drop on June 1st. We're going to have our kind of teaser episode and then our first full length episode will drop that day. And then we will be every other Monday after that. 
So you can join us as we talk about video games, what we like about them, and what we probably don't like about them. And like I said, a ridiculous amount of tangents. Any sneak peek as to uh, what you're going to be discussing on your first couple of episodes? So our first full-length episode is our top 10 video game moments from the three of us. So tune into that if you want to kind of figure out or get to know our video game tastes and the moments that kind of spoke to us, whether they were uh, funny or uh, just things that we like to kill, that kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, tune in. Absolutely. Tetris. <laughs> Tetris. I loved Leisure Tetris suit. back in the day. Leisure Suit Larry. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. You're All right, Rob, now. you got any news for us? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, oh, let's close that. There we go. All right, first one. Uh, unfortunately, Crowley isn't here, so this is going to be really quick. Uh, Gina Car- Carano, you know, from uh, Mandalorian, uh, canceled by Disney. Uh, she was supposed to be starring in Star Wars Rangers of the New Republic along with uh, Katie Sackoff and Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it looks like that is not happening, like the entire show. Uh, right now, it looks uh, there's there's word out there that Rangers of the New Republic is, as they said, frozen in carbonite for right now. Um, until they find a replacement or so, either, so what happened? So they're not saying they're not saying so, so apparent the, the show originally, it was supposed to star Gina, Katie and Bill playing Kara, Bo-Katan and Mayfield, uh, like they did in Mandalorian. Um, but since, uh, you know, Gina was unceremoniously fired from Disney, uh, it's kind of sitting in development hell, uh, just kind of sitting there. It's not an active development uh, per uh, an article that uh, Variety uh, put out whenever Dave Filoni, uh, fuck Filoni. Um, yeah, got to get that obligatory fuck Filoni in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. let me For try that again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when Dave Filoni was interviewed. Fuck Filoni. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Crowley Standin, um, for his uh, his recent promotion to to what was it, big wig, creative director person. Uh, they asked, "Hey, what's going on with uh, Rangers of the New Republic?" And he responded, "Rangers of the New Republic is not currently in active development." Wasn't Rangers of the New Republic one of the shows that they like showcased during the last yes. investors meeting? Yeah, it is. So. In fact, in fact, uh, this article has a nice picture of um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, all hail Hitler, um, standing <laughs> in between <laughs> Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka. Jesus. So, yeah. Um, well, that's kind of embarrassing. It is. It is. So, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll just write in a different character or something. But, Do you think uh, they recast her character though? I don't think they will. I think if anything, they'll find some other disgruntled ranger um, out there. I mean, um, do you, do you think that James would approve of? if they recast her with say like Lucy Lawless and all of her Xena glory. Oh, I would do that. Oh, yeah. that'd be interesting. Yeah. Although uh, Lucy pretty, Lawless is going to be a little, little older. In the tooth. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That might not quite work out. Um, in terms of action, she might not be able to keep up as much as she used to be able to. Um, all right. What else you got? Rob? One. Next one. Um, so there can be only one. So says Highlander. Oh my uh, God. They're not bringing Highlander back. Are they? Oh, they are. God so lion lion's gate is looking to reboot Highlander. Uh, and it looks like, uh, since, uh, Superman got booted out of DC, uh, he's moving over to Highlander. Henry Cavill is going to be Highlander. Hey, Yeah. If he can do the Witcher, he can do Highlander. He's gonna he's gonna be which which McCloud is he gonna be? Is he gonna be Connor or so, Duncan? Don't know. They haven't they haven't uh specified if he is supposed to be picking up uh 
uh, Connor McLeod from the movies or Duncan McLeod from the TV show or a different McLeod or even a different Highlander altogether. Um, don't know what they're doing. They haven't quite, uh, they haven't quite said anything. They just, they are working on finding people and Henry has, uh, uh, Henry has expressed interest and they are supposedly looking at him. Um, should be kind of interesting. Uh, it's being rebooted with a, uh, the director from John wick. So does, does he get to keep the mustache from Superman the, <laughs> or the lack thereof? Which, which that one? Skin stash? Which one? The, 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 the CGI stash or the, yeah. uh, pre, <laughs> pre stash? Does that carry over? <laughs> probably. Probably. So I love the Highlander series. Uh, it got kind of ridiculous towards the the last seasons, but I mean, it was it was entertaining. It's it's definitely got '90s DNA. I was recently rewatching it. Um, the first and second seasons are are not as good as I remember them being back in the day. But uh, and I love the Highlander movies. Some of them, uh, two sucked balls, um, and some of the later Highlander movies were pretty bad too. But, I mean, I like the Highlander franchise as a whole. I don't want to see it come back. I like it the way it is right now. They don't, they don't need to bring this shit back. Well, or at the very least, just kind of move it forward. Well, I mean, there's, there's really nowhere to move forward. Well, there could be. Just ignore, the, ignore some of the movies. <laughs> like most of the movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first one was all right. Endgame was pretty good with uh, both the McClouds. Uh, the one where it was like, what, they were space or something like that? Wouldn't, oh, that was the second one. one. Yeah, that was that the, was the, that was the yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that was bad. All right, what else you got, Rob? All right, last piece uh, that I have. Um, our scientists are doing some fun stuff with our good old friends, the tardigrades. Uh, <laughs> oh I, I like I like to bring those tardigrades back once once in a while. <laughs> um, this time they're firing those tardigrades out of a gun to see if they can survive space impacts. Wow! Wait, wait, wait! So firing them out of a gun to see if they can survive space impact that is Wait. that is yeah yeah so can they survive high velocity impacts after being fired out of a gun so that's how that's big what is it, the gun i don't know look tardigrades are tiny we're not talking about star trek tardigrade well, i mean that have they that one's a freak of any nature have they explored the fact that the tardigrades can survive being shot out of a gun first yeah, that's what they've. That's what part of it. What they're doing. So they're being fired out of, out of a gun at high speeds, um, at different objects and different um, environments. So vacuum, um, heat. I guess uh, gas chambers. What the fuck kinda, did tardigrades know. ever do to them? I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. Um, what objects are they shooting them at? I, I, well, they're just shooting, it looks like they're just kind of shooting them into a, into a, into a lab, right? So like a vacuum chamber or something like that. Um, you know, high pressures, zero oxygen, uh, different temperatures. Um, apparently they're even shooting them into boiling water. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff. The tardigrades are going to have their revenge. They are. They are. They're going to come. Well, you know, we have those tardigrades up there on the moon. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. Than, they're, they're plotting as we speak plotting, right now. Yeah. Yep. Far side of the moon. We never know what's back there. So yeah. they're, they're making a whole tardigrade colony back there. Yeah. The boiling water seems interesting to me. I don't know how that works, but. Well, you, okay. you apply heat to water and once it. Gets up Thank to about you, 100 Jason. degrees Celsius. It starts <laughs> to turn into a, a vapor, and then, yeah, it, it boils. I meant yeah. with the tardigrades. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, Thank you, Bill Nye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so it looks like, uh, so the gun they're using, it's a two-stage gun, uh, uses gunpowder, and then a light gas such as hydrogen or helium is uh, put under rapid pressure. Uh, to achieve velocities, it looks like they're doing five miles per second, eight kilometers per second. Um, and they are shooting them at uh, sand targets in a vacuum chamber um, and uh, then pouring 
pouring it into a water column to isolate the dead dudes. Oh, my God. Wow. This experiment so, brought to you by the NRA. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happened. Um, yeah. All right. Who's ready for a pod crawl? Please Let's do it. Best part of the show. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. What if Groundhog Day, instead of being a dark comedy about a man trapped in the small town hellscape of purgatory, who has to learn what it means to truly care about another, was instead an action thriller about a man trapped in a metro hell's cape of purgatory, who has to learn what it means to try and fail so many times that it starts to drive you mad until you finally figure out the perfect sequence of events that gets you the best ending, and then live happily ever after in someone else's skin. Meet Donnie Darko, I mean, Captain Calter Stevens, an army helicopter pilot, who is half the man he used to be, literally. He's stuck in a wrecked out heap with only an Air Force captain named Goodwin for company, and all she does is bark orders at him. It seems Stevens is stuck going back into the memory of Sean Fentress, a history teacher, who rides the commuter into Chicago every day with Christina Warren, an aspiring yoga guru with questionable taste in men. Their relationship seems to be explosive, as every time Christina tells Coulter that it will all be okay, the train blows up. Coulter's mission, should he choose to accept it, or not, he doesn't really have a choice, is to find out who keeps putting motherfucking bombs on this motherfucking train. Because they have threatened to also put a bomb in Chicago, after their railroad tycoon trial run turns out to be successful. Coulter, however, is about as knowledgeable in spycraft and detective work as a toddler playing Clue, and as subtle as James at a neckbeard convention. He starts by fumbling his way through all the passengers he sees using various levels of assault to figure out if they are the bomber. Once that fails miserably, over and over, he starts looking for the bomb itself. He finds it without much trouble, but doesn't seem to know what to do at that point except try to keep everyone from using their cell phone to detonate the thing. That works out about as well as Rob at a spelling bee, and he once again gets reset. After arguing with Goodwin and her boss for a while about what's actually going on, who he actually is, where he's actually at, why things are leaking around him, what the true nature of the universe is, why do you park on a driveway and drive on a parkway, he's sent back and this time he decides to try some good old racial profiling. He stalks Alex from the expanse because he seems to be a guy who knows what it's yeah. like to be strapped into a pilot's seat and always confused, oh, and because he's brown. He follows him off the train, into the bathroom where he watches him puke, wash his hands, and head back out to wait for the next train. Then he starts mugging him because he really wants his cell phone. Then the train blows up in the distance and, with total sincerity, exclaims, it wasn't you. Sherlock Holmes, Colton is not. Alex gets the final laugh as he touches Colton in a non-consensual way, I mean, kicks him off the platform in front of another speeding train. Back to the drawing board, only this time he tries to steal a gun off the train and gets tased for his efforts. At this point, Colton remembers the internet exists and asks Christina to Google him using Bing and finds out he's been dead for two months. After getting some info on a patch he saw Goodwin wearing from a lady who once worked at Walter Reed, because everyone who has worked at Walter Reed knows all the military patches by memory, he finds out Goodwin is stationed at Nellis Air Force Base. Back in the grinder, Colton finally tries something smart, realizing he has nothing to lose since he's basically immortal at this point, and tries to defuse the bomb by removing the cell phone. It works and now he's stuck with a two-year contract, but uses the phone to track down the bomber after he steals the gun successfully this time, and follows Derek Frost out to his pedo van that's full of nuclear bomb. Colton gets both himself and Christina shot, and as he lay dying on the dirt, finds out that Derek just really wants to hit the reset button on the world. Before Colton can tell him hitting the reset button is not all it's cracked up to be, he resets, and is back in his cozy mechanical womb. He gives all the information to Goodwin and Arnold, and they contact the authorities, who capture Derek before he can build a real-life Fallout game in Chicago, which would be a great setting for a Fallout game, hint hint Bethesda, and Nellis rejoiced, yay. <laughs> However, Colton has a heart-to-heart -heart with Goodwin and asks her to be his angel of death, but after sending him back into the Matrix for one more try at a perfect score. She finally says yes, and Colton stops the bombing, captures the bad guy, resurrects a comedian's career, teaches an ulcer host to chill the fuck out, kisses the girl, and roll his body dying in one quantum reality, and taking over the persona of a history teacher in another, effectively murdering that guy. Credits. All right, oh. 2011 source code. So I've never seen this. This is the first time for me to see this. Has oh, yeah? anybody else seen this before? Yep. Yeah, I saw it. What did you yeah, think the first time you saw it? 
Um, so when I watched it the first time, uh, again, just watching it to watch it, not watching it to analyze it like we do here, um, I thought it was pretty good. I was a little lost at the end, uh, mostly because I wasn't... I was a... I wasn't expecting the time travel alternate reality stuff, and so it threw me for a loop. Uh, but it it was a lot of uh, Groundhog Day esque type stuff. Um, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was interesting. Um, probably cheaply made, uh, just in terms of budget. Uh, you know, budget because it's the same scene over and over. Right. So, yeah, it's not like a lot of locations, uh, but all in all, I liked it. What about you, John? Is this the first time you'd ever seen it or? Yeah, this was my first time with this movie. Um, I, I think overall it's it's pretty good. My my initial uh, thought on it was, well, actually two initial thoughts. Um, shout out to uh, SP from last week's episode. This movie is way better than home and two (laughs) (laughs) and two you you mentioned quantum leap in the beginning i i thought that this was kind of a mixture of groundhog day and speed you just take you you substitute the bus for uh for a train yeah Um, yeah yeah, okay (laughs) did anybody catch the uh the quantum leap link in this movie though no i i did not so scott bacula played the dad that he called at the end of the movie Oh, did he? Oh, yes. Yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't recognize the voice. Yep, that's Scott Bakula. So, nice, Mister Quantum that's, Leap himself. Man, interesting, interesting. So, I mean, I liked it. What about you? I actually did like this. I mean, there's some. There's definitely some flaws in in some of the logic that that the movie goes through, and it's definitely an action oriented movie rather than uh, kind of a a sci-fi mechanics oriented movie, but I mean, it, it, it works. Jake Gyllenhaal is, is a really good actor. I think he does well with the role that he was given. Yeah. Uh, Vera Farmiga did pretty good. I kind of expected more from, uh, Oh, Arnold. Um, Oh, what is his name? Uh, just escaped me. The dude from Westworld. Right. That guy. <sighs> um, research on the fly. Do it. Do it. Zip. Oh, what is No, no, his we do name? we do the uh, sound effects in post. Yeah, I <laughs> Jeffrey I know Wright. This Jeffrey Rod. Wright, that's it. Jeffrey Wright, Dr. Oh. Rutledge. Yeah. Um Yeah. I think he I think he did okay. Um he I don't know. The more I see him and stuff, the more it seems like he plays the same character in almost every role. He's he's always some sort of scientist or or tech type person. Yeah. It's also, it's just his voice. He just has that dark kind of brooding voice. Yeah. So he was in, um, he was in hunger games as well. And the only reason why I bring this up, my kid had to watch it because they were, yeah, he had to watch it. Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. he, they were comparing, uh, hunger games to North Korea. No, to North (laughs) Korea. Oh, um, wow. Kind of weird. Yeah. So, um, so you just anyways, needed your time with Jennifer Lawrence. That's what all right. that is. Right. Yeah. So, but he's in the uh, the second one. Hey, Jennifer. He plays Jennifer. He plays a Call stop. Me. Oh God! Not Damn you! It. Look, look. We only have a a a form letter that covers Crowley. Yeah, we do not we have one for you. We can't add insurance for you too. It's expensive oh. enough with James. Jeez. Yeah. No. Um. So he he's in Hunger Games this, uh, as uh, a tech guy. He's like a, a tech wizard type, you know, sciency person in that one too. Which is, you know, when you brought that up, it made me think of that. That yeah, he he plays the same sort of character. So do you think it's typecasting, or he just enjoys <laughs> those types of roles? Maybe gonna, maybe he just enjoys them. I don't. I was going to ask the same question. Yeah, if it was typecasting or not. Is it? Um, I don't know. Has he ever played anything else? Um, I, I'm, I'm sure he has. I've seen him in several different things. Uh, let's see if uh, he's done anything that I really remember him in. Recently. Uh, he was in Shaft. I haven't seen Shaft. The, two th- the, the 2000 one? Yeah, the new one with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, Peoples, he played Peoples Hernandez. I don't, I don't know what that is. Oh, that's right. He was in Ali. What did he play in Ali? I didn't, yeah, I didn't see Ali. Oh, in, ca- okay. Hold on. He's in Casino Royale, the the yeah. blind. So he plays, uh, he plays the FBI guy, Phoenix. Yeah. And oh, then he's in, that's right. Felix. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, and then so he's, he's in Quantum little, of Solace. Yeah, yeah. So he's a little out there. Um, in fact, he had that before he did Source. You know, those came out before Source Code. So, you know, he had he had a little bit of um, action stuff. It just seems like his m- most recent stuff. I guess he got a taste of it in source code and, and just, just likes uh, it. Yeah. kept on, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be in the Batman, too. Oh, I yeah, he's that. playing James Gordon. Wow. Interesting. So what um, one of the things that I kind of like, and I didn't catch this the first time around, um, is that... You know, as Jake was running through his his jumps, um, his his environment was breaking down more and more. So, you know, more and more wires are shown, things are broken, things aren't working right as as his mind is unraveling. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think and then, that's, and yeah. then at the end, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, here's your last mission. I'm going to kill you. It's boom, snap right back to. Uh, right back to where he was at the, at the very beginning, you know, strapped in, ready to go clean, clean cut, all that kind of good stuff. Well, I think that, I, I think that was, was a reflection of his mind unraveling. Right. He was, he was right. getting more and more stressed with each jump and right. That- or, and, and not caring. Uh, he, you know, he had learned that this was all in his head. So at that point in time, he didn't, he didn't care, which leads me to believe if it was in your head and you know, it's in your head, why don't you make something a little nicer? I don't know that know? he had control over it. I think that was because she said that was just your mind's way of, you know, presenting your your present reality. So I don't okay. know that he had conscious control over his environment. I think that was subconscious. And I think that okay. the reflection of the, the uh, mechanical womb that he was in, for lack of a better term, uh, was a reflection of, of how stressed he was, how much his, his mind was unraveling through his subconscious. All right. And it was, it was a good visual for the audience too. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd they get the memories? Uh, so, so I'm guessing they had a brain on ice somewhere or did they scan the brain? That part I didn't understand. Well, how did they even select his, his, body like you know he's you know in the pod crawl it was he is half the man he he was right like dr rutledge jeffrey wright's character says oh you were a perfect match between you know body and height and that type of thing but how did they even match him that's what i want to know yeah that's it's it's a little ambiguous as to why he was picked for the program in the first place. I mean, he, he obviously suffered a helicopter crash at some point and that's why, you know, he was in the condition that he was in, in the, in the, uh, in the chamber. And apparently it had happened two months previous to the, the events in the movie, but it, they don't really explain other than in kind of ambiguous terms as to why they chose him and why they chose uh, the memories of the person on the plane, what Sean was his name? Yeah. Why Sean they chose, yeah. Sean Fentress. Uh, why they chose Sean Fentress. I guess they were most compatible through their neurology. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of is, is there was something about his neurology that made him, uh, easier to do this. Yeah. Easier to, to step into Sean Fentress's reality or, but how did, how did they get, the how did they get the brain wave in the first place yeah uh because that was a freaking fireball yeah and and that that i kind of questioned that too because that was a huge explosion that would have cooked inside the skull well i mean if there was any skull left i mean that was that was a large explosion that probably would have vaporized a lot of people on there or at least you know the the fire afterward would have probably you know just totally destroyed any tissue that was left. Uh, they did say that there's like an echo or a remnant of memories left in the, in the brain after death. And that's what they used to tap in. There's like eight minutes worth of 
right. of memory that th- that you can access, the, and that was the yeah, whole the backup drive. Yeah, that was that was the whole eight minute uh, the black box of our brain. Right, that was the whole eight minute hook that he was able to go back and and live eight minutes in this dude's memories. Um, they, 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 I mean, it was like I said, the the movie kind of muddles a lot of shit in terms of how they're trying to explain, you know, quantum mechanics and, and explain how Jake Gyllenhaal's character is able to get into somebody else's head. I don't, I don't quite understand it. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not consistent, especially whenever they said you can't live outside the eight minute window, which he did many times throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. it, it, It doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the uh, train would blow up, and he was still there. Yeah, you know, or even like, the train wouldn't blow up, and he was still there. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe. Well, I mean, maybe time works a little differently there. Um, I mean, no. in terms of <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, in terms of like you know, so it's eight minutes on the outside, but it's it's. Well, kind of like Inception, you know, where the deeper you went, the uh, time had a different meaning. Maybe, maybe it was something along those lines where it was roughly eight minutes. Well, he kept maybe. setting his watch, though. Yeah, yeah. But who's to say that that eight minutes is eight minutes on the outside? Well, it's supposed to be eight minutes from the original death, right? Because that's that's the brain pattern that they have to match off of, right? So we don't eight actually. Minutes- oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, like, we don't know how much real world time is is passing by while he's inside source code. It's just every time he comes back, they're like, okay, uh, regroup and get back in there. There's no indication of how much time is actually elapsed every time he goes in and comes back. Right. But I mean, relatively speaking, in, in the, we'll call it, yeah, source code simulation, it should be eight minutes from the time that that dude originally died backwards. Right. That, that, that he comes back, he wakes up from a nap eight minutes before that dude dies. And then if the theory, if their rules play out, he's not supposed to be able to stay inside that simulation past the eight minutes. But, and just thinking about this now, this, this just now occurred to me, this may be what kind of gave him a hint that what they theorized is the eight minute window wasn't holding true because of, uh, the way they kind of played off of the uh, multi multiple worlds uh, idea, um, mm-hmm. the many worlds theory, and that's yeah, why so he theorized that he would be able to stay in the body after they pulled the plug in his present reality outside the 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 quote unquote source code world. Right. So okay, so yeah, that kind of I mean you could you could make sense of that. So do you think, um, obviously, obviously he stopped a bombing, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you think at some point in time he would go visit himself? Go in visit the, himself. The, yeah. In the new, in the new reality, right? Um, I don't think he's going to be able to get into Nellis Air Force Base where they're holding his body. <laughs> sure. Well, what I'm thinking, you know, I'm not saying right this second, but um, do you think, you know, obviously, obviously the, the captain knows that it worked, right? Cause sure. she, she got that thing. Do you think at some point that they would meet maybe face to face and have a talk and about it or whatever? And then, you know, I don't know. It, I don't know. Maybe I could see him possibly trying to start up a, a relationship with his dad again through this, this second dude. But I mean, that, that kind of buries the lead on this. He just inhabited some dude's life. I right. mean, he just basically murdered some dude so that he could continue living in an no, no, no. alternate well, reality. Now, as soon as, as soon as he renounces his wishes, um, the other dude will come back. Yeah. I'll, uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman 84. 84 yeah. 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 So, you know, it'll just, it'll just be and back it, and life is fine. So w- when I was watching this and especially the part when after he follows the guy into the bathroom and they have the altercation on the platform and he falls down onto the track and then gets run over by that second train. 
when I watched this originally, I was thinking that was the source code's way of ensuring that eight minutes was a finality. Like, no matter what, he's okay. going to die. He has to die somehow. Yeah. Yeah. To reset. And I kind of thought that too at first, but that had happened, you know, at least a minute or two after the explosion, which also begs the question... How did that train get there? Because it was coming in the direction from the explosion, and there were well, only two tracks on that no, platform. No, so so if you watched it, uh, and I don't know which version it was, uh, which time, the train veered off to the left, and and there was other tracks happening, uh, going straight. Okay, right? it, so yeah, so at it that might one not station. Have, yeah, so it might not have been it might not have been the but that train wasn't the that same was station. That wasn't right. the Pembroke station. Yeah. The Pembroke station a- had two tracks in front of it and the station he got off on the uh on the right-hand side. So it was on uh it was on the right-hand track and then well well a, no, it yeah. crossed over uh, over the left. So so there was a whole mix master of tracks uh that they showed from the from the air and the train took took a left and that's when it blew up is over in that general vicinity. So, so it would have taken out whatever train was over there. So maybe there was another train, uh, that was on one of those straight tracks and that mix master coming back the other direction. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, they've got multiple trains. Yeah. But it's also a product of the fact that a lot of the aerial shots are in British Columbia while this is supposed to take place in Chicago. Look, I don't, I don't, pay attention to significant landmarks everything is made in canadia (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can get vegas in canadia apparently so um the bing product placement was fun (laughs) antiquated yeah so antiquated well i mean Uh, bing still exists i use it because i get free shit whenever i use it but yeah yeah but that whole that whole phone thing that was so bad yeah those was, phones were ancient yeah, yeah even for 2011 when this came out yeah so I, I was wondering at first whenever i first saw this if he was in space or in the arctic whenever it got cold i was thinking he was in a capsule in space and that's how they they were somehow uh, beaming his beaming him back beaming his consciousness <laughs> back to earth or something nice and then, yeah uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting ride. This movie, the way they the way they presented it. So when he's in that capsule and it's all like collapsing around them, and the air goes out, and you know it's all freezing in there, is that just him? Like his consciousness is because that that happens right after he gets hit by the train, uh, and within source code, and then he comes back into the capsule. Everything's crashing around him. Is that just his consciousness, like playing games with him? I think that uh, was I think, his. I think that was his. Uh, his yeah, his consciousness breaking down, or he, him yeah. like you know losing consciousness, or saying fuck it. Yeah, yeah that was I his think, body I think dying. he was. Yeah, I think he was defeated. You know the fact that oh, it wasn't this guy, and I kept. It kept blowing up, and and we don't know how many jumps happened between that one and the other one, um, you, you know, and we don't know how many jumps happened prior to the first one we saw. Yeah, yeah, because like, apparently they can wipe his memory. Yeah, yeah, and 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 he's got a whole he's got a whole trigger mechanism because you kind of saw it at the beginning, you know, yeah. he's not paying attention to what she's saying, and then she's like, "Can uh, confirm or something?" And all of a sudden he snaps forward and confirm and and goes through his confirmation sequence right i mean within the movie he does seven or eight jumps so we don't know like you said how many he does before that and it's i mean and and the couple things that 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 brought uh, were brought to my attention is you know even at the beginning she's like okay calm down take a deep breath gather yourself that kind of deal how does he know how does she know i i guess maybe the the text on the screen is erratic possibly so I yeah, guess how every she's single sensing thing, emotion. Yeah, every single thing that he's thinking or or feeling is that is that getting? Uh, I mean, obviously you can see bio, you can see bio readings and things like that, and and get a taste of what's happening. But yeah, I, mean, I guess she knew she was he was in distress from his bio uh, biometrics, yeah. but 
Maybe. I mean, the way that he was conveying, I don't know how, how she sensed how he was conveying emotion through his texts or through the text on the screen right. from, uh, cause it didn't say, you know, angry and then it showed the text yeah. or, yeah. or anything like that. It was just the text that she was reading. <laughs> the, the, the little, uh, the little, uh, slash uh, stage notes for- the, the yeah, the stage notes yeah. <laughs> actor comes out angry and says, I am mad. So there, there were no source code emojis is what you're <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was no yeah. slash S for sarcasm, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? We only saw a small, small taste of it. So, so getting back to the eight minute window, and I just thought about this at the be- at the end of the movie, they had a timer on the machine whenever she sent him back for the final time that showed the time right. that he was back, and then she hit the the kill switch whenever the eight minutes hit. Did they not notice that sometimes he was he didn't come back immediately after that eight minute mark? Wouldn't that be an aberration they would want to look into? Yeah, fair um, point. Well, I mean, they were always, hey, can you hear me? And that kind of deal. Maybe there was a, uh, maybe they just thought it was him having to collect himself, you know, because they yeah, were maybe. always, can, can you read me? Can you hear me? Please respond. Um, that type of deal. So maybe, you know, they, they're like, okay, yeah, it's it's around eight minutes or it's eight minutes, but it's going to take them a few seconds to to get acclimated again or something. I I don't know. But each jump he made, like after each time that he wakes up, he starts his watch that eight minute timer on his watch at different points. Like sometimes it's after he's already addressed Christina. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So he starts his eight minute timer at different times. I think that was kind of a, uh, I think that, uh, that timer for him was kind of a, uh, best guess as to when the bomb would go off, you know, and maybe it was, it, I think that was more for him than it was uh, to tell us, oh yeah, it is fully eight minutes and he's only got like 30 seconds left. Um, I think, I, you know, just something to keep track of for him. So that first time that he was in, whenever he first woke up and you, it, it was weird because you saw his reflection in the window, but, Every every time after that, whenever you see a reflection, it's it's of Sean Fentress. Um, yeah, I, I think that was the first time that he'd been jumped in because he was totally disoriented. He had no idea yeah. where he was. Uh, he he didn't know that he was in somebody else's body. Uh, he had no idea who he was talking to. You think this is the first time he's jumped ever? No, I'm not sure that this is the first time he's jumped ever. Well, wait, I think no, this no, is it's the, got no, no, it's got to be, it's got to be. Uh, well, unless they did like training jumps. Well, but, uh, be, but they remember they have a way to wipe his memory. To wipe, yeah, to wipe his memory. Right, yeah. but but at the end of the at the end of the movie, um, you know, the doctor Rutledge was saying was saying uh, we need to find. You know, one day a situation will present itself to show that source code is a valid, yeah, a valid thing that it, so, that it'll work. So they, yeah, they so they to want, me, this has never happened in my mind. It doesn't mean that he's never jumped. They may have right. test jumps. Well, that's what I was saying. You would think they would have done some sort yeah, of yeah. They, they jump. surely would have ton, done some test jumps just to verify that the technology works. Otherwise, you know, they they get a mission like this and suddenly, well, <laughs> not gonna work. Sorry. Yeah, unless we unless had a great theory, it just doesn't fucking hold true. Yeah, unless they had a different guinea pig. Um, you well, know, because no, he and, was he was the first one. They said that he was the first one to ever do this. First, the first viable one to do it. I guess maybe all the others went crazy. I don't know. But I mean, so my point was, wouldn't you like prep him before you sent him back? Look, this is this is what you need to do just so you can save some time and he's not trying to fumble fuck his way through all this shit. Well, yeah, it was like after the fourth time and I'm still unclear as to how Goodwin knows the information. How the hell did she know where the gun was and, and how to get to it? Well, they've probably, you know, it's a standard train They're They're gonna, um, there's policies and procedures. So they've probably looked it up. There's a, there's a gun in the set in this particular area. 
you know, yeah. type of deal. It's like it's like a 747. All 747s are the same, right? All airplanes of that model are the same in terms of safety things and 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 that kind of stuff. So she was just but I tell you, what, I need to get one of the mag lights he used to open that door with the oh, lock I know. on it. Oh, <laughs> no. it Why twice? that big ass compartment for a fucking flashlight? I thought that was a fire extinguisher he was about to pull out, and it was a big shiny or, silver or an flashlight axe of some sort. Yeah, and he br- yeah. he's breaking locks with it. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, those are the shittiest fucking locks. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, 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 locks of convenience. But yeah. but going back to your point, Rob, about like briefing him, they didn't tell him about the gun and where it was at until like his fourth or fifth jump into the movie. Right. Well, because I think from what it looked like, they were trying to, you know, okay, find the bomb. Okay, you found the bomb. Bomb. We know what we're looking for. Okay, now find the see if you can find the person that planted the bomb. You're going to need a gun. Go find a gun. You know, I mean, maybe maybe it was, you know, they wanted to find the bomb, find the source of it first before trying to expand his parameters, uh, potentially. Um, cause I mean, you're going to waste valuable time, I guess, of your eight minutes going and trying to get a gun. Cause obviously the first time he went and got the gun, it was all, it was, it was done. It was over, right? They, they, he got caught, handcuffed, blew up, you know? So, so, you know, why waste a jump? trying to get the gun at the very beginning when you don't even know where the bomb is first. Mm. You know, is it, is it a uh, uh, cell phone or is it proximity? Is it, is there, was it a bomber with a jacket on or something like that? You know, we don't, you know, they didn't know sure. until, until now, you know, until they got that information. So maybe there was just steps in, that they had to take. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't, who knows? All right, final thoughts? Uh, it's good. I mean, it's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's not uh, It's not a bad movie. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I, you know, I've seen it once. I saw it twice. I wasn't disappointed the second time around. Quick question. How does that email get to Goodwin that he sends? It was a different, it was a different reality. So he 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 uh, he theorized that he was it wasn't actually the memories of somebody it was but it was uh, it was an alternate reality that he was actually jumping into yeah so so he sent that email just because he was curious you know and you know he never felt followed up on it in the movie um, so maybe he basically sent an email to her saying. Uh, you know, validating that he had knowledge of the, of the future knowledge of their program, which is uh, probably a very highly classified program. Um, and and so that was, I I guess that was his way of, of reaching out to Goodwin maybe for, I don't know, some future purpose. I'm not exactly sure why he would just to let her know that they, that it worked and they stopped something. How did he know her email address in the first place? Uh, yeah, that was uh, more along the lines of my Bing. question. <laughs> oh, Bing, yeah, because <laughs> all their email addresses are on Bing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, Bing, that's not the holder of all knowledge. Right? Hey, no. you don't. You know, there was a bunch of jumps in there. Maybe at one point in time, he just said "screw it" and he started. Well, because he did try to contact uh, Rutledge, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he. Well, he, they, he can't call. fuck around with too many jumps, though, because it's happening in real time. And yeah, they, needed see, that's to, the other, they, yeah. they needed to get the the information to stop the, the nuclear bomb from happening in, in Chicago. So I, I would imagine he may have done maybe 10 jumps in total at eight minutes a piece, roughly. That's going to be 80 minutes. So you're looking at close to an hour and a half. Um and then time in between to reset and fuck around trying to uh, get information in present day reality. So you're probably looking at close to maybe three hours in total time that they they did all this to get the information. It worked. It, it happened. It's a success. All right, John, what about you? Final thoughts? 
uh all in all it was a pretty good movie just needed to you know with most sci-fi just suspend uh reality and belief in what is real but um overall i thought it was pretty good the the performances of jake gyllenhaal and michelle monaghan are pretty good um so i i enjoyed my time with it yeah it's a decent movie i mean i don't i don't regret watching it it was uh it was entertaining i didn't i didn't mind uh finishing it to the end it wasn't fucking home where i was ready to rip my eyeballs out about the halfway mark going, oh, my God, how long is this movie? Oh, my God, it's only been going on for 45 minutes. I want to die. No, it wasn't like that. So, Well, thank you, SP. <laughs> yes. Thanks, SP. All right. John, you're filling in for James this week. So I got a question for you. Is this movie better than Home? Yes. <laughs> now, is this movie source code more sci-fi than 11 Uh, well, let's see. Dr. Rutledge says it's not time travel, but time reassignment. Also, the same thing happens in 112263 via the closet. So I'm going to say they are equally sci-fi. Oh, <laughs> equally sci-fi. Equally. We've never That's had a new one. one. Yeah. yeah. Nice. 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 I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Rob, you got a haiku for us this week? I do. This one is titled Dan the Man. Stranger in Mirror. Got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. I still got the girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and that's that's really fresh, too. Yeah, should I done that in my uh, Forrest Gump uh, impersonation? You impersonate Forrest Gump every day. Life is like a box of chocolates. All right. That's as much or as doorknobs. Lieutenant. Oh, he's no longer allowed. <laughs> All right. Who's got awards? Yep. Let's do it. All right, Rob. Who's got your black lung? Passengers on the train. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John. Uh, well, let's see. As I'm filling in for Crowley, I just feel like I have to throw out Michelle Monaghan's name. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it, it, <laughs> in in reality, it, it's the train itself, like and everybody within it. You know, like Rob said. So we're two for two. All right. Um, so mine's actually going to go to uh, the the dipshit bomber um, Frost because he was playing with some nuclear material so he's going to his his lungs are probably definitely burning at this point. Yeah. All right, John, who's got your head lush? So the low-hanging fruit here is obviously Coulter, but I'm going to go to the point in the movie kind of in the beginning where he's in the bathroom and he discovers the bomb and he's talking to what he thinks is the simulation version of Goodwin. Like, uh, should I disarm this or should I leave it? Like he's totally out of his element. So it's, it's Coulter in the bathroom, like, and trying to decide what he's doing with the bomb. Okay. Rob. Um, I didn't see anybody really drinking, um, so much. Mm. Uh, I can't, there was some drinking. Was there? There's tons of Dunkin' Donuts, placement in uh, this movie that's, oh no kidding that's that's true that's true um i'll give it to the dunkin donuts then okay so mine's <laughs> gonna go to uh the uh, bernard character arnold character jeffrey wright's character because at the end after they declare mission successful uh oh, he's popping right. open some champagne and getting yeah, ready to right. celebrate I f- yeah, yeah i forgot about the champagne oh uh, yeah that damn I was, champagne i was more I was more concerned about Sean or Captain Colert or whatever his name is. Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Sure you were. Whether or not he was going to get the happy ending. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. Speaking <laughs> of happy ending. You can't have a uh, happy ending. No, no. Speaking of happy, happy ending, my uh, player award is going to go to Sean for getting Christina at the end or Donnie Darko, whoever he is after he hijacked a body. All right, John. Uh, mine is going to go to Russell Peters' character because at, at one point uh, he, you know, Coulter, Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, 
character comes walking back to the chain. He's like, I don't have time to talk to you. And Russell Peters clearly looks at Michelle Monaghan and goes, I got some time for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Trying to trying to get his Mac on and fails. Uh, So mine is going to go to um, mine's going to go to Coulter's character uh, for making Sean the new Sean uh, and getting the girl. uh, What? Twice? Three times? Three times. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine's going to go to Coulter. He's, he's got a three-time player award there. All right, John, who's got your purple hippo? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Coulter again here, particularly the part where he breaks open the door and decides to jump out of the train onto the actual concrete platform. That would have fucking killed him. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Rob? Uh, I gave it, to, gave it to Sean for waking up in the train the first time. Right, because I mean that's that's got to be a head trip of some sort. Yeah, I I was just flying a helicopter. What the hell? So mine's gonna go to Coulter as well. It's a three for three. Um, just the entire fucking experience of yeah going into somebody else's mind and controlling them like a goddamn puppeteer. Meat um, puppet. Actually, being them for eight minutes or so at a time, and then eventually becoming them in a in an entirely new alternate reality, and in the meantime, you're stuck in this uh, kind of purgatory mechanical cocoon, uh, and realize that you're kind of dead, but not quite dead. You're almost dead, mostly dead, but yeah, you're not totally dead. Yeah, that that's a fucking head trip. Totally agree. Well, this is the time where we uh, pick our next movie. However, we're not picking a next movie because on the run-up to uh, Quiet Place Part 2 that uh, releases in just about a week, uh, we are going to review A Quiet Place next week. In a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. This was directed by John Krasinski and stars Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, and Millicent Simmons. Oh, this is A Quiet Place. Not with you here. Wow. 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 That hurts. Wow. Wow. Are we going to watch the second one? After we watch the first one, yes. Oh, cool. In theaters? I'm watching it in a theater. Damn straight. This will be my first theater experience since 2019. I know, mine too. What the hell? <laughs> no, 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 no. I went in early 2020. Yeah. To we were what? we were we were in we were in theaters in early 2020. Yeah, but what'd you see? I don't remember. Oh man. I don't remember what we saw. I don't remember the last movie I saw in theaters. I'm trying to think. I'll have to I'll have to go back and look at my my Cinemark movie pass. So Rise of Skywalker for me. Oh no was shit. That, yeah. Was that tw- no that was, that 20- was end of twenty nineteen. Yeah, that was into twenty nineteen, but Oh yeah. That's a that's a shitty movie experience to end oh, your I'm sorry. movie I'm theater so experience on for sorry. over a year. Yes. I concur. Wow. You need to get back out there. Start watching movies in a theater again. Wipe that memory from existence. All right, John. Well, thanks for guest hosting for uh, or filling in for James. We really appreciate it. Uh, We're really excited to to have you and your co-hosts on board uh, CBC. And we're really looking forward to uh, your show launching uh, in just about a week. So uh, where can people find Video Game Lounge whenever it launches? Uh, they'll be able to find it on Apple and Spotify, all your podcatchers. You can follow the show at VGL Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and, of course, on creativebraincandy.com with all the other great podcasts over there. Man, you sound like a professional. <laughs> Come he, practiced. he practiced before he came on here. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. That's all we got for this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl so music is where we try to interrupt, right? <laughs>
If you'd like the show, yes, please rate and review yes. us on iTunes. You can Ask leave us feedback on our Discord though. channel at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com wow, forward slash Discord. Christopher Walken here. On Twitter here. at Oh, I got him. Or you can email him. us at smokinganddrinkinspace.com. Wow, wow. Fuck you. If Don't you'd like to show us a few nickels our way, you can become a <laughs> Patreon supporter by you going did. to smokinganddrinkinginspace.com forward slash Patreon. Or this week, I'm Jason. Uh... Dude, it was like September of 2019 was the last thing, last time I saw. I'm going through all these. I don't even see a movie that I saw. Oh, you watched oh. Rise of Skywalker. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was the last movie, too, because I didn't watch anything. I was going to go watch uh, Birds of Prey. So glad I didn't. You can uh, you can hear our review of that right now on Sadik. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>